What's up, everyone? I want to tell you guys about my friends over at GT Nursery. Green Touch Nursery is located at 8842 Park Street in Bellflower, California, 90706. Oscar, the owner of this nursery, is a dear friend of mine and was actually a guest on this podcast on episode number 28 titled The Shed with his brother Edgar. Make sure to check that out. Oscar's been growing plants since he was 10 years old and was exposed to nurseries his entire life. His family owned multiple nurseries, so he grew up working in these places and lives and breathes plants every single day. He opened this place up back in February 2015. They are open on weekdays 8 to 4 and weekends 9 to 3. They specialize in cacti and succulents from all over the world. And let me tell you, with Oscar, the knowledge goes deep. This dude is constantly in the field doing research, going to botanical gardens, getting with really experienced growers and asking all kinds of questions. So you don't just get a plant, but you get the knowledge and passion behind this place. And that can really be felt when you're there. Their mission is to create a community of like-minded individuals from all walks of life that enjoy beautiful plants. I would say they have succeeded in their mission. I've attended multiple plant swaps and meetups. And this place is really like a home base for the for those of us in the local community. They also host these big sales where he brings in vendors from all over the place, really bringing amazing and obscure plants to the table. You need to head over to their Instagram at GT Nursery. I will make sure to plug a link to all of their socials and content in the description of every episode. He does these live auctions every Wednesday evening, and it's a lot of fun. He's constantly uplifting other members of the community and really giving other people an opportunity to come on to this very successful auction and sell plants. I've done it a couple times and it's amazing to see the success that they've had. Oscar and Edgar have really dedicated themselves and honed their craft and have been very consistent with these auctions. It's a lot of fun. Even if you're just watching, it's one of my favorite things to do on a Wednesday evening. You can head over to their Instagram for more info. I'm very grateful to have this partnership and to be telling you guys about this place. Green Touch Nursery, 8842 Park Street, Bellflower, California, 90706. Tell them I sent you. Hello, my plant friends. I want to take a moment to talk to you guys about mushrooms. No, not that kind of mushrooms. I'm talking about reishi, chaga, shiitake, maitake, ergo, cordyceps, lion's mane, all these different mushrooms that have been used for thousands of years in Chinese herbal medicine. It is ancient wisdom that there are tons of health benefits to consuming mushrooms of all types. And I recently started supplementing with this company called Real Mushrooms. If you haven't had the chance to listen to episode 38 featuring Jeff Chilton, I highly recommend it. He is the founder of this company and an ethnomycologist who's been studying mushrooms for a really long time. He really breaks it down for us. Another good resource for this information would be the movie Fantastic Fungi. Definitely recommend that. Or you can just click on one of the links in the description of every episode that will take you to articles that outline all the different health benefits of these mushroom supplements. Now, I'm going to run through all the ones that I've actually been taking myself. So Real Mushrooms offers these hot water extracts that are made from the whole fruit body of these mushrooms, and they come in both powder and capsule form. So I've been taking the five defenders in the capsule form, and it's a blend of turkey tail, reishi, maitake, shiitake, and chaga. Now, all of those mushrooms have been proven to boost the immune system. So who couldn't benefit from having a boost in their immune system right now? Another one that I'm taking is the Mushroom D2Z, which is a blend of reishi and chaga only. It is infused with vitamin D and zinc. Now, the vast majority of the population is deficient in vitamin D. So what better way to get it 
than in these mushroom supplements that come with all these other health benefits. Another one that was recommended to me, but I'm taking in the powder form, is chaga. So chaga has been used to help improve issues with digestion. So if you have something like IBD, IBS, I highly recommend this. I've been taking it at night, mixing it with my sleepy time tea, and I've noticed a huge improvement in my digestion problems. So anytime I'm about to do a podcast, I take lion's mane or right before work. Lion's mane has been proven to help with cognition. It is a nootropic that some studies suggest that may even be creating new neural pathways in your brain. So anytime I think I'm going to have to use my brain a lot, I take the lion's mane. And the last one that I'm taking is cordyceps. So cordyceps are used by athletes for performance enhancement, and they're known to really help with endurance and boost your energy levels. So if you're feeling really low energy, start trying this cordyceps. I'm taking it every day and my energy levels are way up. So that's all the ones that I'm taking myself personally that I can speak on, but there's testimonials for every single one on the website of Real Mushrooms, realmushrooms.com. If you're ready to pull the trigger and want to make a purchase and start supplementing these mushrooms, make sure to click on one of the links in the description of my episodes, or you can go to the link in my bio on my Instagram and click the little button that says real mushrooms and it has a little mushroom emoji. Or you can use code if plants could talk at checkout and you'll get 10% off all future orders. However, if you're a first time buyer, you can sign up to get a first time buyer code of 25% off your first order. So definitely do that. It would help me out a lot if you guys use my link and use that code at checkout. So make sure to go check them out. Real mushrooms. This podcast is brought to you by Mezcala Nursery, located at 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala is family-owned, family-ran since 2007. This is the House of Succulents growing grounds. I'm talking everything you can possibly imagine in the succulent realm, from your common everyday plants to your more rare and obscure imports. They can service your landscaping needs and they have a bunch of hoop houses dedicated to houseplants and tropicals. If you guys need any kind of plant, I'm telling you, go to Mezcala. If you bring them a price from another nursery, they're going to beat it. If you bring them a price from a big box store, they're going to beat it. 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala Nursery. January 11th, 2022, and I'm here with Joey of Crime Pays, but Botany doesn't. What's up, Joey? Welcome to the show. How are you doing? How are you? Man, I can't complain. I got some good news today. Things are looking up. I'm happy, man. Good. Yeah, man. Um, so I want to hear about, let's go back to the to the earliest days. Uh, where, where are you from? Uh, I grew up uh, in Chicago, like just outside of Chicago in a little Rust Belt suburb called LaGrange. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I drink my own piss here now. Kidding, what was that like? What was Chicago like? <laughs> Chicago drinking like? my own piss? Well, you know, it's got some really amazing cleansing benefits. If you... uh, no, growing up in LaGrange was... Uh, um, fucking Greenpeace, too cold. Growing up in LaGrange was whatever. I, I got sent away to a bunch of different places, uh, like military school Ooh. and uh, fucking, you know, I, I there was some problems in my youth mm. starting around, I don't know, 11 or 10. And uh, 
you know, it was the early 90s. It was the whole age of tough love parenting and the drug war and all this stupid shit. So, um, and I got into punk rock and, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I grew up with my mom. My dad was kind of kind of absent. He made like a half-assed effort to, uh, to be present, mm. but, you mm. know, not really emotionally. Yeah. So, which seems to be a common theme, you know, as George Carlin said, hell is full of dads. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know, I fucking, you know, I got into, was getting into trouble, nothing too serious. I didn't really have any interest in drugs. I smoked fights. You get in fights a lot. Uh, yeah, sometimes a little yeah, bit. Me too. A little bit. And, uh, you know, yeah, what the fuck? I don't know. I just, uh, it was fine. I, yeah, when I was around 11 or 12, I ran away from home because I, I found out they were going to send me to military school. My dad wanted to do it for, mm. um, even though he didn't live with us. Oh, wow. Because I was listening to punk rock and I like tried smoking cigarettes and, and all this shit. And, uh, were they religious, and, may I ask? Uh, my mom was Catholic, but not, I mean, it was like a half-hearted effort. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too crazy like some of my friends from the South. And, uh, you know, so when I found out they were going to send me away to military school, I like, I ran away from home, which I was like, it wasn't really trying to run away from, I was trying to make a point more so, you know, sure. like I didn't know what I was going to do. I just ran away, stayed in the city, mm-hmm. slept in a train yard for like a, a night or two and then came back and then. What a uh, gangster, dude. What is a young kid? What? That's some gangster ass shit for a young kid, man. No, I was 12. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't bring a fucking blanket. I was like, I slept <laughs> on the side of a railroad embankment, like all freezing my ass off. Because I didn't grasp the concept that it got a lot colder at night, even though it was the summer. So, um, and then yeah, and then they sent me to like a psychiatric ward for ten days as punishment, mm. like just which was fucked up. But they sent a bunch of people, which was actually kind of funny. There was a um, my my roommate. It was on the north side of Chicago. My roommate was a vice lord. He was like a, a vice lord or gangster disciple, one of the big gangs in Chicago, but he was actually really cool and we bonded and he told me all kinds of crazy stories and then there were all kinds of fun. I mean, some people that were legit nuts and uh, or meant, had mental health issues. Mm. Like one, there was like a football player, like some football jock from the north side who ate too much acid and watched his friend die and then totally <laughs> lost it. And, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So I was there for 10 days as like a punishment. And, you know, they brought these doctors in and they were like, the doctor was like, I heard you were misbehaving, uh, you know, blah, blah. And, you know, you're you're a little baby. And he said something like that. And then I called him an asshole. And this doctor was a prick. I mean, it was it was like the early 90s. It was like totally fucked up, you know, non I mean, I was just like out to fight everything and fucking wanted to light everything on fire, you know. Can, <laughs> and, can, and I, make, then, can I make a guess? Did they, did they say you have ADHD and try to give you uh, Ritalin and Adderall? Yeah, I got, well, no, they didn't give it to me. I, I mean, I take that now, but but uh, yeah. I take Ritalin now, the generic form. Oh. But, um, because I just had trouble focusing otherwise. Calms but, you uh, down, huh? Like lowest dose. But, um, but no, they tested me like three times when I was a kid. But see, I would, I beat all the tests. I like, I knew to, mm-hmm. I was, I, I wouldn't answer the questions. I would answer the way that I thought would the truth. say that I didn't have it because I didn't want to be medicated. Yeah. Um, and so then I went, anyway, after that, I was in there for 10 days and, uh, and then I went to, I got sent to a military school and then it was like the first year I was at the military school. I was kind of scared. I was like, I oh, will try to go. I mean, there were kids that got sent there by the courts. There were fucking rich kids from Mexico that got sent there. It was like all different walks of yeah. life. And for that, it was kind of cool because you had black, white, Mexican, 
mm-hmm. fucking, you know, from all all over the place. Um, so I got to meet a bunch of different people with a bunch of different fucked up stories. All of them certainly fucked up, though. I think there were like two kids that wanted to be there. Um, and I, the first year I kind of played by the rules. And the second year I was like, you know, fuck this. And we just we, we had like a little crew of like 10 of us fucking degenerates. And we just tried to burn everything down and <laughs> kill everything and fuck off. And and then they they told me I couldn't come back the second year. And then, dude, and I, then I got I forget what happened. I don't know. I ended I, up I ended up uh, junior year. Fast forward a few years, going to uh, this like arts high school in the, in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. that was surrounded by all these industrial warehouses. And um, I think it's all condos now. It was like before the big boom of gentrification. This was like 98 or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so anyway, yeah, we would just, we'd go, you know, play in the train tracks. We'd go, you know, get a fucking wino to buy us 40, 40s. And we'd give him a couple bucks and go drink on the train tracks during lunch. And, um, that was actually cool. The, the art teachers sucked, but the, the education teachers, because you had education the first half of the day and the second half you had, you had to like apply to get in. It was like a, mm-hmm. you had, they had to vet you, make sure you gave a shit about, you know, drawing or whatever you went there for, or fucking, there were theater kids too. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, I went there for two years and, and we would fuck off, but we were also like, we were actually into to art i went there being into art yeah. and the second year i just had no desire to draw anymore because the the art teachers were all bitter alcoholics and fucking nuts and they'd scream it was kind of funny you know they were like fucking characters but the education teachers were really fun and cool and you know just uh weirdos but in a good way you know and they were good at teaching so they, that was cool but then yeah i just i didn't want to draw after i graduated and um can i pause I you thrown can, out of there can I pause too. you real quick it, yeah. I'm I'm feeling amazed right now, like full blown shocked, bro, because I was sent to a Catholic military school and I had a very similar upbringing. Uh, like everything you just said was uh, almost identical to my childhood, man. So I relate to you a lot. And then, so it's beautiful that you're willing to like talk about it the way you do and still laugh. And, you know, you think I, mean, I, you I don't think have a thought, filter for anything. You thought really, it was so fun. I so uh, talk about <laughs> talk about this shit with someone I just met. It's fucking, fucking rad. That's fucking rad, much. though. Yeah, man. Yeah, religion fucks people up. It's Catholic military school I went to. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awful. But it sounds like that's just open season on everything, man. That's the good thing about that. I mean, you just fucking fuck everything. Well, up, you had you know? to wear tidy whities and you had to wear tidy whities and do your morning burpees. And I, I learned how to play guitar there. Burpees are good. That shit was good. That was actually something I liked about military school was getting me into doing push-ups and make you do physically fit and yeah. and uh and shit like that. But then we would just, I mean, yeah, I have like hilarious stories. There was this thing called JROTC where they would, you know, these fucking you get a couple kids that really were into it. They really want to do it. They'd be running down the street with their, you know, running down the guard path with their fucking canoe on the top of their heads. <laughs> we'd take fucking, we'd start throwing shit at them. You know, they couldn't see where it was coming from either because they had the canoe on. Like four of these fucking kids holding this canoe up, and all of a sudden, bang, bang, we're throwing fucking water balloons and rocks and shit. And the fucking sergeant majors, God damn it, who's you know, just screaming at us and shit. We're just fucking laughing our asses off, you know, from like the third floor barracks. I mean, that was probably why I got told I couldn't come back, but it was fun as hell. And it was the second year. I mean, that was when I kind of the first year I took it seriously and I tried to play the game and get good grades. And the second year, I was kind of like, this is all fucking bullshit. All these people who are in authority positions of authority are frauds this is a fucking joke i'm gonna just have fun with it you know but at the same time we'd have like these deep philosophical conversations yeah. uh 
at night. You know, I've met this kid who almost blew his, he was got sent there because he almost blew his friend's head off. They were playing Russian roulette when he was like 13. And he, he, you know, he'd read Nietzsche and all this shit. And it's basically an institution, man. That's basically an institution that you were in. Well, he, he filled the, he fulfilled this role and became, you know, he was a white kid. No, I don't give a fuck about that, but he fulfilled his role. White kid from Wisconsin. He, now he's like a fucking bad shit. He went on Trumper, but at the time he was really well read and, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, he would explain all this, all these different, you know, philosophers to me and stuff. And it was a really good conversation. It's kind of sad that he like fulfilled his predicted role in terms of what he would become like his demographics, demographic slot of what you would expect from like a bleach blonde German white kid from rural Wisconsin. But at the time he was pretty cool. So anyway, we, I mean, I learned a lot there too, just not in the classes that yeah. They made a mistake. I think, you know what? I think we had a fucking science. There was like an ecology teacher that was pretty cool there. Surprisingly at the military school uh, who got us into some interesting stuff. And- we got active military too. That's that are basically the, the school staff that are walking around with you and watching you. And, and yeah. The in fucking, in yeah. We used to hide from them because they, we started ditching all these different things they wanted us to do. And so they'd come looking for us and they'd come into, they'd search every room. And I remember, hiding under the bed one day when this fucking 300 pound uh sergeant major came in it was you know they go into every room look around for some reason he didn't look under the bed and he comes in my room and i just remember he let out this mean fart (laughs) i was like oh you know probably whatever he was eating fucking tri-tip or whatever nasty shit but i could smell it it was funny yeah i don't know he was i don't know why i didn't look under the bed because he would have found me and you know got a little (laughs) a little congratulatory pat on the head but yeah, it was a it was a fucked up, but but kind of fun. I'm almost kind of happy I went there. Like, it makes it you who at the you time, are today. About. Yeah, right. And yeah, and also, uh, I, this is a common thing I see: uh, people that end up in those kinds of environments that they were artists all along, so that it didn't fit in with the regular school. You know what I mean? That sounds like that that you're an artist, and that's you know all that other shit. What kind of just goes. We, it becomes like the least priority you know yeah. when yeah I, yeah but it was cool though too I, mean, I remember the ecology classes that we took like we were reading it was weird the science teacher there wasn't a knob you know where you worked in a military military school but it wasn't a total knob he was a uh, he had us read aldo leopold you know i mean we were reading like aldo leopold when i was 12 or 13 which was you know immensely influential on me and mm we read that chapter thinking like a mountain, which really broke down a lot of good stuff. And so that I was, I was grateful for that. I mean, fuck, if I would have stayed in suburban Chicago, would I, would I read Aldo Leopold at age 13 or 14? Probably not. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, okay. And when did you decide that you had a love for plants? Uh, yeah, I don't know. 2008 or something. I don't know how to fucking mm. happen. I just, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought they were cool. They're just really, I think when I when I learned about the evolutionary relationships between a bunch of them, that's when I really got interested in them. It wasn't like, oh, they're medicinal or any of this shit. No offense to anyone who's into that. That wasn't my jam. I didn't really care. I was always kind of amazed uh, at the idea of psychoactive plants, but the thing that really got got to me was when I read about the uh, the evolution. You know, these sure. these lineages and how these different forms diverge from a common ancestor, and, mm. and that. That really blew my mind, you know. And that's what I try to get people excited about because it's the most fascinating thing, and it kind of ties you to these these long lineages, these evolutionary histories, ties you to deep time. Um, 
and something beyond yourself. I mean, you live, if you're lucky for 80 years, right? Well, these things speciate and sometimes they speciate quickly and readily. And sometimes they, you know, you can see that you'll see a fossil that's, you know, been dated radiometrically at 40 million years ago. And it's got a similar morphology to something that's extant today, that's living today. I think that stuff's really cool, you know? Yeah. When you think about how these things got around. Yeah. You know, like the sunflower family, how did it, how does it occur on, you know, all these disparate parts of the world, basically every part of the world except Antarctica, you know, it's a pretty interesting thing to think about. So, yeah, I, I, uh, that's kind of where I ended up taking it. Can I ask you a question on that topic? Um, since we're talking about like, uh, the mother, this mother species, uh, do you know for uh, Echinopsis, Pachinoi, Peruvianus, uh, there's been some debate, and I had a plant biologist, eth- ethnobotany uh, and biologist, he went to uh, Berkeley, and he came on, and we were talking about, uh, he, he had taken a PC and, and studied it, he, he like went and dissected it and ch- tested it, uh, that he got at home. PCR? A PC, a, a Pachinoi PC, you know, the predominant cultivar San Pedro. Oh, no, I don't know about that. Okay. No. So the one that's supposed to be not active, right? He, that they uh-huh. sell at Home Depot. He went and he he dissected it and found that it was indeed active and that it isn't. There's a of lot course. of argument that it's different than the other uh, traditional Pachinois. So what I'm asking is, do you know what the um, the mother species of those uh, Echinop- Echinopsis uh, peruvianus progesii Pachinoi. Um, some say it's Macrogonus. Is there... I don't know. You need to look at a phylogeny of that clade of Cactaceae. So, like a phylogeny, a cladogram is a phylogenetic tree. It's, it lays out the relationships of how closely related one genus is to another genus, or how closely related one species is to another species. And your focus you is figure... desert. Right? What's up? Your focus is desert plants. Yeah, mostly, because I think it's where you see a lot of the coolest shit. But I like cloud forests, too. Cloud forests are fucking remarkable. I mean, that's where you get hummingbird pollination, neotropical cloud forests, you know. So low latitude, like Mexico or Central America, but really fucking high up, like 9,000 feet. So you get species of fir, uh-huh. same genus as Christmas trees, abies, with like these giant tank bromeliads way up in them, you know. And they're just super foggy. And I mean, the, the cloud forests of Oaxaca are some of the most amazing habitats and threatened habitats too i mean there's all kinds of illegal logging going on and just it sucks it's fucked we're living in the age of mass extinction but but the the to figure out the the parent uh, species or the ancestor of echinopsis or trichosterus or whatever you you want to call that genus you'd have to look at a cladogram or you know go to scholar.google.com and type in Trichoserious phylogeny or echinopsis phylogeny. Yeah, we so went, phylogeny will tell you the relationships and the evolutionary history of a genus, a species, or a family. Yeah, he gave me a website and we looked at it, but it was uh, it it had said Macrogonus, but there some other people said something else. But my question, can you for a layman, can you explain what a cloud forest is? Uh, like what a cloud, a cloud forest is a is a high elevation uh, habitat, like say nine thousand feet okay. elevation at a low latitude. So okay. like 10 degrees north. So like Oaxaca is a low latitude. Ecuador is a low latitude. It's like right on the equator. Uh-huh. So those are normally you think of they'd be hot as fuck. But when you go up to 9,000, 10,000 feet, uh-huh. it's not that hot at all. It's, it's climate of San Francisco, but with summer rain. So it's not too mild or it's, it's not too hot. It doesn't really heat up too much. Uh-huh. And it doesn't cool down too much. Often it doesn't, like it may freeze once in a blue moon, but probably not. And so you have these, these 
So because of that, it's a really mild climate and you can, there's all these, it's just, just they're just really diverse. You get a huge diversity of species and, and uh, you know, due to their, their elevation, insects sometimes have a hard time getting going because they're, they're uh, cold blooded. Mm. So they're not effective pollinators. So uh-huh. the thing that becomes the, the dominant pollinator, the effective pollinator are, are hummingbirds. Mm. So they end up, you know, the flower, as it evolves to hummingbird pollination, it gets bigger, tubular, uh, it gets a red pigment to it because that stands out to birds, not to insects so much. And so you get just all these bizarre variations on a theme and you get members of the sunflower family, for instance, when everything is sunflowers being yellow, you get members of the sunflower family that are red what? Um, and, you know, tubular and have pendant flowers for a hummingbird to, you know, hover and get up in there. It's really cool. So it's, and yeah, you get, you know, bromeliads in fir trees, you know, and mm. in abies. I mean, abies religiosa. I remember being up there in Oaxaca. Uh-huh. Um, I was with Alan Rockefeller. He was looking for Psilocybe zapaticorum, which is a kind of hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic mushroom that grows on these uh, these escarpments of landslides. So like a landslide will happen, you get this vertical wall and then this fungus fruits. And this fungus the whole time has been in the, the soil, decomposing all the organic matter that's accumulated. Cool. So he was there looking at the mushrooms. I was up there looking at the plants. And yeah, it was just, it was fucking wild. I mean, we saw, we saw the species of Penstemon. Penstemon is a genus in North America of uh, these bilaterally symmetrical kind of tube flowers, that, but they're pollinated by bumblebees and, you know, whatever, uh-huh. uh, at lower elevations. You get a bunch in the deserts, but up there, at, you know, and they normally don't get too big, maybe three, four feet, but they stay relatively compact and the, the leaves do at least. The inflorescences will fl- go up three or four feet. But we found this species of penstemon that was like six feet tall, you know, and just these giant purple flowers. And it was just in the psilocybe were growing right beneath them in this this sandy soil. It was fascinating. Is that out of place? Is that out of place for that environment? No, no, not at all. I was just, I mean, because of the environment, these things are able to get so big. Mm. Uh, it's a, like I said, it's a mild climate. It's, it's not, rest- it's not arid. They get a lot of moisture, like a lot of moisture. It doesn't get too hot, doesn't freeze. So it's just that you get this easier climate, this easier habitat to grow in. And so things just kind of go nuts. There was like a species of lupin that in the Michoacan, uh, the cloud, the cloud forest where the monarch butterflies go, which mm-hmm. is again, it's abies. It's the G the Christmas trees, these abies religiosa. Mm-hmm. It get fucking massive, and that's where the monarchs go in the winter. Um, lots of illegal logging going on down there, which sucks. But I remember being in that forest, and there's like monotropa coming up everywhere, and all these fucking crazy mushrooms. And then there's like a nine foot tall lupin, you know, which is a genus that normally gets like two or three feet tall wow. in, in the United States. But down there, it was like, is I mean, it, just, you just see wild shit. You humidity, know? So, is it the humidity and the elevation being closer to the sun? And it, like this contributing well you to get more sunlight growth. the growing season is almost year round because it's so mild and and uh yeah there's just a lot of diversity in cloud forest no it's probably it, a better answer i haven't is really... it at cloud level is that why they call it a cloud forest like a, a, is the forest itself in the clouds? Well, well yeah yeah and it's at the top of these mountains so the moisture rises and you get these i mean it's then yeah there's like literally clouds i mean it's really cool. steep terrain because of uh well, there's a number of reasons why you get mountains in Mexico. You get the Mexican transvolcanic belt, which causes a lot of uplift. And then uh-huh. you get the Sierra Madre on either side, which is, I think, due to the Farallon plate coming from the west at one point. But either way, 
you get this uplift and so the clouds of course down on the lowlands it's hot as balls it's dry it's desert you get these big cacti all these other things but as you go up that moisture is forced upwards and it condenses as it rises with altitude and the air cools off and then it just comes out in fog or rain or whatever so wow so uh did you take some courses it says uncredentialed botanist but have you studied it and just not gotten a degree or is that a joke in your bio no, I was totally, I'm totally uncredentialed. I dropped out. I went to college for two years for someone else and dropped out. And then I went back for for a year for geology and dropped out again because I went to go work for the railroad. And so I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any degrees. I mean, what about botany? So I just got, just got really excited about it. I just thought it was really cool. And I liked reading about it. And then, of course, you know, I would travel a lot. I've been traveling a lot, always kind of since I was, you know, a teenager. And uh, the more I traveled, the more shit I would see, and then the more questions I would have. And so, yeah, it's self-taught pretty... from books for the botany. Uh, yeah, for the most part, and experience and the internet. And yeah, I mean, I used to be really good at just I'd go hang out in the library before I had like a place to live or an internet connection. And I would just I'd have fucking fifteen browser windows open at once. I'd write down questions that I had, and then I'd go to the library to look them up later. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'd like to compliment you, man, because I watched one of your videos recently, and not only are you identifying the plants, but you're also identifying the geological uh, landscape itself. Yeah, you're saying what rocks, and I'm I'm taking geology right now too, and uh, I know right. very li- very very little, but uh, it's cool because you're not just there talking about what the plants are, but you're also talking about the landscape around you, man, and you've got a plethora of information in that mind of yours dude it's crazy you're very it's very all con- it's all connected you know yeah, geology geology sure. influences plant life yeah there was a book called uh, geology and plant life this guy Crockford wrote mm-hmm. you know and you learn like what types of soils like limestone soils calcium carbonate soils sure uh have a higher ph and you know granitic or volcanic soils have a lower ph which means you know it affects how nutrients are available that's why, like peyote, you almost you almost never get peyote growing on volcanic soils. You know, mm. a good example. It's just, mm. it's. Just, I mean, it, it will. You can grow it in volcanic stuff, but in nature, for whatever reason, it just doesn't. What kind of eroded uh, soil is that that peyote grows in in habitat? Uh, limestone. Limestone. Limestone, okay. or or you know, I mean, like you go to like the Rio Rio Grande Valley of South Texas, it's like these alluvial deposits or fluvial deposits, meaning it was a river deposited by the Rio Grande over. Mm-hmm. the last 500,000 years but it's i think it's generally limestone based. And it's yeah, full-blown gen- inorganic full-blown what it's fully inorganic that substrate that they, they grow in no i don't think so no there's clay particles in there too it's a really it's like when it's dry it's super powdery uh-huh. and then uh when it gets wet it's super spongy and it holds on the moisture for a long time even when it gets hot as fuck out which uh-huh. is always hot as fuck in south texas it's like 85 on christmas Mm. um and then in west texas it's a different habitat it's more like you'll see them growing like ensconced in these fucking soilless rocky limestone uh mm. habitats and there's a bunch of cacti that do that you know in Coahuila and chihuahua and mm. west texas and new mexico and you know it's all so the geology kind of dictates how these things evolve you know and then if you go to south america it's it's mostly volcanic there it's almost all volcanic because you've got the nazca plate dipping beneath the south american plate and as it does that you get the fucking andes lifting up it's all volcanic it's all rhyolite it's all andesite mm. uh so we're talking like cases, or 
Yeah, yeah. And like the Copiapoa, the, the Atacama Desert, which I didn't know until I went there, the Atacama Desert is not really a hot desert. It gets up to like maybe 90, but you're not going to get 115 degree days in the Atacama. And so because of its, it having been like that for millions of years, you take, I mean, I got a friend who, my friend Jim Osset, he taught at UT Austin and he, really great plant anatomist, but he, he loves cacti. He's written a bunch of fucking great books. Mm-hmm. On cacti, Mossath is his last name. If anyone wants to look it up, M A U S E T H. And uh, and he's tried to grow copiapoa and all these Andean cacti in his uh, where he lives in Austin, and he he can't. They just don't do that. Well, he's got to fucking bring them inside in the summer because it's just hot. too too hot. Yeah. yeah. So what about in Southern California? Is that why we're able to to get away with it here? Yeah, it's a it's a milder climate. You also don't have the humidity. I think that's something people need to think about a lot because humidity causes that heat to not really dissipate. When you've got hum, you know water vapor in the air, water holds on the heat. You know, mm-hmm. like it's the same thing. You heat up a glass of tea, it stays warm for a long time. If you heat up a canister of air, it loses it right away. Mm-hmm. Air doesn't you know just dry air doesn't hold it doesn't hold the heat. Whereas that cup of tea will be hot for you know 15, 30 minutes. You got water vapor in the air. It, it doesn't, you know, you got these humid climates east of the 100th meridian. Uh-huh. It'll be fucking 95 during the day. It cools down to maybe 75 at night, maybe. Whereas like in the deserts, you get 95 during the day and then it cools down to like 50 at night. So it's a much, much greater variation in nighttime temperature. And so you get a lot of plants that that need those cool nights. You know, they need the heat during the day, but then they need cool nights too. And it's same, I mean, a lot of plants like at the cloud forest can be like that too. Like they'll, they'll take the heat during the day, but they need those cool nights because that's what they've been adapted to. And that's what it it affects their metabolism. That's what it comes down to. So Mm. can we go back to Lofofora for one moment? Um, There there are times, right, when Lofofora (sighs) will get submerged completely in in water, right? Like uh, flash floods or rain. Is that yeah, a- but I don't think it lasts that long. Yeah, but they it does happen from time to time, right? They'll be fully submerged. Yeah, but the thing to remember though is that then it's hot as fuck again the next day in those climates. So it's not the same. Like it's not the same as if I mean they'll rot out here on the west coast sure. if you if they get too wet and the soil doesn't drain enough and they stay at like sixty degrees for three weeks, you know. Uh, depending on how the bigger the plant is the more resilient it's going to be the more resistant to rot but if you get little little seedlings of any cactus that's adapted to really hot climates it's not going to like the it's why they always say you know in that habitat too like chihuahua desert they have dry winters you know whereas in california it's different we have we have wet winters Mm. you know so they have dry winters and when they get moisture it's most mostly in the summer so the metabolism is already kicking because it's it's warm enough, you know. So that's why they say, like, with a lot of those Chihuahua desert cacti, like, keep them dry in the winter if you're growing in California. Mm. Now, while on the topic of psychoactive cacti, I, I looked and found out that there are a lot more uh, very common plants that many of us collect that are actually are active than I would have thought. Like, uh, for example, Astrophytum can be. Did do you know that about this? Uh, area I haven't heard that. No, areas. I mean I've heard rumors that it has, but I hasn't. The way to figure that out is someone runs gas chromatography on it and does an analysis. I mean, without a research paper, I wouldn't believe it. So it's a book know. that I saw at GT Nursery that talks about it, and it's so mild. It's more like free CI would be, or you know, some of these diffusa. I was just yeah. curious if you knew anything about that. 
No, I mean, that's the, that's something that's really interesting is the, the biosynthesis of mescaline is it, you know, a bunch of different cacti do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some Steno serious do it. I don't think anything does it as in the, the concentrations that uh, peyote does, but yeah, you know, it's also, does. there's also species in the legume family that produce trace amounts of mescaline. You know, the thing, I wouldn't believe any of that shit unless you, the thing to do is go on Google scholar go, and look for papers on it, you know, okay. Yeah. Look for someone who did who, unless you have access to a gas chrom- chromatograph yourself, you know, look for papers that uh, where someone analyzed the substance themselves and, and found it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I don't trust any of that because there's you read all kinds of goofy shit online, especially if you're sure. like looking at like a good example would be look at like weed people, like look at no offense to them but like there's all kinds of goofy bullshit you'll read online and oh, yeah. forums and stuff regarding like the easiest way you know you got a debra like easiest way to grow something you know and they don't know what the temperature about, setting on your on your fucking dab rig and hold it for this long right, right. Specific... some of them do some of them do you know there's i've got some friends that work in that field that are fucking on top of their game and really know their shit and they can break it down for you and explain it to you sure. but like there's just a lot of urban legends with with any of those psychoactive plants, I'd be really wary of it if you're just hearing it from a friend or someone you know or something. There's no paper, no research paper, no one's done it. I would take it with a grain of salt and tell it doesn't mean it's not true either, but it just means yeah, it was really just like a sketchy little book that said psychoactive plants. But um, yeah, that's interesting to me. I, I personally believe in because I grow cannabis and it's psilocybin and other kinds of mushrooms, edible mushrooms and, and cactus from seed now. And uh, I believe more so in not like going by the book. I'm more of like a uh, <laughs> trial and error. You know what I mean? Uh, not yeah, what we got to do is you got to get someone that you got to convince a friend to get into fucking organic chemistry and start doing a liquid gas chromatography themselves. You know, <laughs> that's what you want. It's like I tell these, <clears throat> and then, you know, herbalism was a big thing back in the day, the healing herbals and whatever. And I was like, you want to get into herbalism? It's not bullshit. Some of it is, but a lot of it's not. But if you want to get into it, get into fucking organic chemistry and start, you know, identifying the compounds. Are, you, are they bioavailable? Are they in great enough concentrations? You know? Science, we live in an age where science is so readily accessible to people. There's no excuse for, you know, urban legends and myths and all this shit. I mean, you can really, you if you if you have the time and the wherewithal and you're asking the right questions, you can really learn some fascinating shit online. And if you just are able to, I mean, fuck what I do. I just go to colleges or call people up or write emails. You know, professors who study this stuff say there's a professor who wrote a paper I write. I'm like, hey, what the fuck? You know, I'm interested. A lot of those people are excited as hell to you know, that someone else is excited about what they're studying and they'll explain it to you. Sure. And there's also the option of just taking community uh, college classes that you enjoy and they don't have to necessarily be going for a degree. Uh, I've been doing that yeah. on and off oh, forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just yeah. go for the knowledge. That's, That's what I did. When I went back to school the second time, I wasn't going for a degree. I was like, I want to be a fucking bum. I don't care about a degree. The whole system's a joke. It's rigged. Sure is. Fuck it. I just want to learn this stuff. And so... And that was more fun too. I mean, I took like two classes. You know, all these kids are taking like five, six classes. I'm like, what do you want to do that? You're not going to learn shit. You want to, you want to like get it done quick so you can like get into your fucking early grave of your some, you know, which you don't even get a career at the time anymore. If you go to college, you end up, you know, it's everything's such a fucking joke. Find a hustle and just, just, I was like, I'm just going to take two classes. I'm going to find a hustle. Uh, I got on some welfare and I just fucking took two classes and I got, and I was excited about them. I wanted to learn them. So I would, I had all the time to dedicate to this. You know, I would, 
I was uh, actually excited to learn this stuff and I fucking aced them all and it was easy, you know? So I don't know. And I see these kids taking five, six classes. I'm like, okay, even if you ace it, you don't have time to soak all that shit up yeah. or really grasp the concepts. Fuck that. You, you know? did something. No, you're doing, you did something right, man, because I, I see what you're doing and it, it's fucking, I know it's already gone places, but it's definitely going places and it's unique and different than, than any other content creator I've seen in the plant community. And with the knowledge, it's, it's fun and yet still like uh, educational. So that's what I appreciate about it, you know. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, the thing, thank you for the thing that I get excited about, like what makes me want to keep doing it, is that, like say there's some. I think you know this shit saved me in a lot of ways, and it got me really excited about being alive. And I think it can do the same for other people. Mm. And I think you know when you read works by people like Carl Sagan who are talking about. Uh, you know, like Richard Dawkins said, but for whatever other beat you might have with him, I don't really give a fuck. But, if, you know, he wrote a book called The Magic of Reality. And he was basically just mocking, both mocking, but also inspiring people to be like, okay, you can believe in all this hoopla and this bullshit, and whether it's conspiracy theories or fucking astrology or any of this dumb shit, you know, or you can learn about the magic of reality. Like there's, there's still like that, there's magic out there in that. And it's exciting as fuck. And it's in more so we can quantify it. Yeah. We can quantify it and we can study it. And it's, it's so fucking fascinating. I mean, for me, it's really cool to see this species of ape, us, uh, learning more about the world around it itself, yeah. you know, and, and more so learning to have reverence and respect for the world around itself. You know, that's what, that's what I think is really fascinating and cool. Not just taking shit for granted and believing in fairy tales, but you know, learning, learning to study and appreciate and respect this, this world that's been here for, you know, millions of years before we got here. Yeah, we have a limited time here on earth. And um, I learned that I don't want to spend it grinding uh, nine to five, which I've done many times. I've, I've always been happier when I'm pushing plants, when I'm podcasting, when I'm creating, when I'm learning things that I actually want to learn about. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's a game changer when you finally find the courage to dedicate yourself to something that you love, you know? Right, I got to piss really quick. Go Hold for on it, go for it. Okay, folks, we're back. I brought a couple of things to see since you're into geology. I have these uh, this fossilized stromatolite here. Oh, cool. Where'd you get that? Um, my buddy, Friesomatic, he was a guest on the podcast. He traded it to me. I have two of them. But I figured you would know what they are, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did he get them, you know? He hounds. He hounds for stuff and... I think he got these uh, here in California. Um, my teacher was telling me there's a place with a bunch of them. It's uh, uh, three sites, uh, Quartzsite, uh, Bonanza King. Uh, it, it's here in California. And you can, you can actually see the cell structure in them? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah and you can collect them. There's tons of them there. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. This, for people that are listening, that I've, heard, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but Stromatolites are like the the earliest uh, multicellular life forms ever found on Earth, and essentially we came from evolved from these, right? Uh, well, we share a common ancestor with them. Yeah, we did uh, evolve from those, but we share a common ancestor with them. Yeah, yeah, I love those things, man. Super cool fossils, all that. So, tell me about what exactly everything that you do, because I know you have the content that you put on Instagram. You have a YouTube channel too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's primarily what what I focus on is the YouTube stuff. I just, I'll uh, it's basically just field botany. I'll go out and I'll explore. You know, ninety five percent of what I do is just field botany. Mm -hmm. So I'll go out and I'll explore these different habitats, uh, looking for plants. I'll videotape them. 
uh, you know, video them and explain what they are and explain something interesting or notable about it and then just film really, you know, cool, uh, beautiful places. High too. quality and, camera stuff too, man. And I like when you add the little text, it's really helpful. Like, it, yeah, I think that helps people learn, you know, that way it's not just the fucking random words. So may I ask, are, are you doing it for a living now in, or is it still? I got a, yeah, I got a Patreon. I mean, it's like a constant hustle. It's like I, I sell shirts that with my art on them with the Crime Pays logo. I mm -hmm. uh, sell prints of my artwork. Cool. Uh, I'll sell original drawings. I've uh, sold some plant pressings I do. that It's like a plant pressing with a drawing. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I got a Patreon for the YouTube page. And so yeah. um, it's good because I was trying to get out of the railroad anyway and didn't really know what i was going to do you know it, just, it started to really job. suck there the company just started to really it's a good job uh, you were on the railroad? Say, eat some ass railroad yeah. union what's up railroad union at the time yeah i was That's in a union a yeah. good job bro yeah brotherhood of locomotive engineers and trainmen so but the company started to suck mm. and um as most of them do and, and just kind of compromise employee as well as customer mm. uh uh satisfaction at, for the for the sake of the shareholders you know mm -hmm. basically looting the company to fucking please the shareholder so uh you know great american capitalist model uh -huh. a great model of american capitalism and uh and so yeah i was just looking for something to, i was kind of knew i was going to get out anyway and like most of my friends have worked there have kind of dipped out you know and the ones that haven't are just always trying to get time off or you know finagle away off or whatever like it fucking sucks to work there <laughs> which mm. is pretty funny but um but yeah and then and then this stuff and i was doing this stuff anyway mm. uh and then it just people got interested in it and it got popular and so i said okay cool I'll keep doing this and yeah i've been lucky i don't know i don't know if it'll keep going the way it's going or if it'll you know fucking her out at some point i don't care i'm just doing it like when i joined the railroad i said i'd do this till it sucks same thing with this i'll do this till it sucks no no man this i think this plant thing is is going to continue to grow infinitely and um those of like someone like you that's been in it for a while it, you'll have your place forever that's that's what i like to think it, it's only growing and getting better and um i'm curious is there places where we can see all that kind of stuff your art and um just Instagram. I'll sell prints intermittently. I don't have like a website for me. I, okay. I registered a domain name, but I haven't set up a website. And some people said they were going to help me, but I fucking. It's really easy. It got, it got lost in like the nine other things that I'm trying to do right now, you know? So yeah. <laughs> it's like I've always got too much on my plate. Big Cartel but, uh, is free. Big Cartel will let you do a certain amount of listings for free. Shopify costs money, but they give you good service. That's what I use Shopify. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if people want to order prints from me i just tell them you know look at what i got figure out what you like send me money on venmo mm -hmm. don't enable the purchase protection because they're fucking dirt bags and they try to skim off the top and yeah it doesn't really protect anything anyway and uh and yeah then you know i just uh just do it that way i mean that's that's been working that's i do fun. like commission drawings and shit too i still owe some people some drawings kind of feel bad about but it's like i just always feel like i've got just too much i mean i've had to start writing shit down and using a calendar and shit because i yeah. just you know, I, which I didn't do for the first, you know, 37 years of my life because it was just, uh, it wasn't very organized. And I didn't need to. So, well, art's not something that can just be done every day, all day. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a mood, it's a feeling. And I, you know, if I, if I buy art from somebody ahead of time, I always am like, you know, whenever you're ready kind of thing, I'm not going to put, put you on a deadline. But, um, 
What was I going to ask you about that too? Um, we were talking about how you have a Patreon and a YouTube. You sell merch. Oh, would you be willing to? Um, I don't know if you have slides, and I know you have plenty of of like photos and videos. Maybe come back one day, and uh, if you would put together a presentation, um, I would compensate. Yeah. I'll compensate you for your time. And, yeah, yeah. And totally. if you could, you know, come on, just do whatever you want to do. You could do it a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. I got like sixty gigabytes. You could share a screen, well, you know, and uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what that's basically what I was doing. Uh, last year, I was teaching these Zoom classes. It was like seven bucks a class, or mm. ten bucks or something. Yeah. And um, I just published. I just published that one. It was it was on the YouTube. is unlisted for a while. Only available via Patreon. And okay. It had been a year, so I was like, "Oh fuck it, I'll just you know publish it and make the information accessible." It's, it's like a fucking four hour Zoom class. Brutal, dude. But there's a lot of you know a lot of concepts that I explain and that I want to get people excited about. You know and um. Yeah, I can see you having your own course, uh, your own program. Kinda, yeah. And then I did one through uh through a through Backcountry Press, which is a, a book publishing company, and they they hosted it online, and that was more that was like forty bucks a head, but it was like four, four separate classes, and it was a more polished version. Mm-hmm. Each class was like two hours of the question and answer answer session, and it was like I had to, took like a, it was a lot of work to do, like more than just me rambling and showing slides for four hours, but um, but it was worth it. I think it was. It came out pretty good, and it's it's more directed at people who don't have who just want a good crash course and everything from, you know, flower morphology, what to look at when identifying uh, plants, like why do we, what groups, what characteristic traits do we look at uh-huh. in a plant that we don't know to figure out what family it's in, um, how geology affects plant life, how plants speciate, how evolution occurs, stuff like that. So. Which I think is all fascinating shit. I want to get people excited about, and it's, it sucks that that information hasn't been as accessible to people in the past. So I think that the type of learning that you're talking about is the future, though, because more and more people are realizing they don't need a degree and they want to learn things, you know, on their own. And right. you could probably get like licensed and create a certificate, even. You know what I mean? Eventually, and. Um, I'm kind of anti. I'm kind of anti-certificate, but yeah, well, you I mean, know what I mean. You know, it might, it <laughs> might make people, it might make the student feel special. Yeah, I like teaching people. My mom was a school teacher, so maybe that's where I get it. I don't know, but I yeah. I, I enjoy it. So, well, I would love to you give it some thought. Throw throw whatever ideas you want my way, like, or you can totally wing it, man. Like, I would love to like see some of your adventures, even if we just chose one. Um, yeah, all right. and we went through yeah, it. Yeah, cool. That would be really cool, cool. man. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for your time. Well, I don't know how long we've been at it about about an hour though. Um, yeah. Where where can everybody find you uh, on your Instagram's a little complicated because there's under underscores, right? Yeah, it's crime page, but Bonnie does it with underscores. Some dude created a bogus account that's all one word. I don't know. Jack your name. I, th- I don't know if there was somebody I pissed off or some like uh, hacker overseas. I don't know fuck idea. But it's crime page, but Bonnie doesn't. All the words under uh, separated by underscores. Um. Got the YouTube channel, Crime Pays of Botany Doesn't. I got a I got a fucking Twitter six months ago, which is kind of stupid, but I just post plant shit, you know. Cool. Everyone's trying to like change the world on Twitter and especially shit the fuck up. I just yeah. just post plants shit and like funny anecdotes that I come across occasionally. Bro, TikTok is uh, the future. I bet you you could become a paid TikToker for sure. 
I did a TikTok thing. Oh God, this company got me, this company duped me into doing a Facebook page and they said, we'll run it and, you know, give you half the revenue. And they <laughs> fucking, I haven't seen a fucking dime, but uh, they created this Facebook page. So whatever, it's getting yeah. people into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're kind of sleazy, but <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know some people that do TikToks and they're making money off of it. Yeah. TikTok is like, I, I have a TikTok that this company created uh, just for shits and giggles. It doesn't pay anything, but they were posting just corny shit on it. So I said, okay, stop butchering my stuff. I'll create my own stuff. Just hands off. They gave it to me. I changed the password so they couldn't get any more. And then they didn't say anything about it or haven't yet. So I've been posting stuff on there, but it's like, it's such a lowest common denominator form of entertainment. Sometimes like I'll, I'll open TikTok and it's just, yes, it just comes at you. know, it's like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. calm down. You know, I get like, yeah, I it's don't, just the, so, so overwhelming, you know, I don't, so I don't, I don't follow anybody on and I just post shit. So yeah, I don't spend time on it either, but uh, the algorithm, sometimes those videos will go viral like millions out of nowhere for, for like no reason, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, um, it's not always about that. I'm just saying that that, that I that a lot of people are utilizing that. Um, yeah. What was the last thing I was going to say to you? Uh, oh, a podcast too. You definitely could create a podcast, but oh yeah, I've been doing that. I have a podcast. Yeah. Um, it's just crying page of bonnie doesn't. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Podbean. Okay. I uh, it's that. on Google. It's not on Spotify yet because it's got to be some fucking weird format, and I just and you know, I have to go back and reformat everything if I want to do it, and I just don't care enough. So I can probably help um, you get the RSS over. It, it shouldn't be too complicated. It's got why well, it's everything for whatever reason. My phone records at an MP4, and they want Spotify only takes MP3, so it's just a pain in the ass. There's like a hundred episodes right now, you know. So I have to go through all of them. It's like fuck, yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's accessible. I mean, it, it works on you know three different play Google, Apple, iTunes, and uh, yeah. and Podbean. But Podbean is what hosts it. I kind of worry if they're going to go under at some point because they're kind of like their programmers maybe need a fucking you know a, a shot in the leg or something. I don't know. Who knows? But it's uh, yeah. there have been some bugs in it lately. So I don't know. But yeah, it's you know I'll, I'll have uh, people in academia who are pretty open and friendly on and we'll shoot the shit about different plant families. We'll talk about different things. There's a couple where it's just me ranting about uh, trips I took and, right. and telling stories about, you know, cool plants or families of plants that I encountered. So how, how often did you do that? It used to be every week, but I've been in the middle of moving right now. So it's like I fucking every two weeks, three weeks. I mean, I, I need to do it more. I just, I have too much shit on my plate at the moment, you know? So yeah, well, you know, once I, I settle down, and get you know get settled more and i'm not moving anymore it should be easier i can get back to work so apple's legit though because uh more than half of my listenership comes from there and they, they'll mm -hmm. they'll chart you like it their algorithm's really good like yeah and cool. it depends on what like what what uh section are you in what what like what section do i don't you know i don't know i mean so i had some a friend did it for me a friend hooked me up she knew how to put it on itunes and i'm grateful but like i'm I, i'm kind of oblivious to some computer shit sometimes and don't care i mean i could probably get better at it but i just don't care enough you know i'm like, in leisure and home and garden and uh, <laughs> those yeah two, I, then maybe i'd be in that i don't know those those two i it's been pretty cool man i don't want to like sound like i'm bragging about that ratings and shit but yeah it, it, it's yeah apple's legit in in that particular genre I yeah. found and I think that you have uh, a very desirable content. So 
Maybe you should check and see if it is in Leisure and Home and Garden because my shit yeah, my shit's gone. number it one seem, all over the place. It might just be an entertainment. I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah. But uh, maybe I can. Yeah, that's cool. Right on. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, brother. This is going to be easy, man. I'm just going to chop it up. I'll, I'll probably have it up in like an hour. Cool. All right. Yeah, right on. That's like the same way I do things, too. I don't really edit anything. The so. video will be like probably a week, but the audio mm. I'm going to put straight up. Um, and uh, could you please send me a photo of you for the cover that you like? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Cool. All right. Crime pays, but right. botany doesn't, everybody. <laughs>